We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Andrew Claudio, producer of the Knicks Film School podcast with part two of our special bonus cap or no cap, talking about asset consolidation and what the Knicks might and could and probably will do when the December 15th moratorium is lifted. Let's get into it. I'm going to assume that you already have listened to part one. I guess if you haven't and you're hearing this, uh, refresh your podcast feed. There are two episodes that were released at the same time. Part one breaks down the week that we just had and then John and Jeremy each give out their game ball and their detention. And and Jeremy began his presentation. And then we split the recording into two. So all that being said, if you haven't listened to part one, please go ahead and do that. But let's get into it. Part two, cap or no cap, asset consolidation. So let's talk about what's plagued the Knicks the most this season so far, right? Ugh. RJ Barrett shooting slump. Why would you have to type this out? Because we have to talk about it, right? Um, obviously, it was brutal. Julius Randle coming back down to earth from his all-NBA second team season last year. Yep. Uh, lack of having point guards, really. I mean, they've got two in the backup unit. Obviously, Tibbs does not feel comfortable enough to start quickly. He'd rather have Alec Burks. Alec Burks is an emergency point guard in my mind. He is not a consistent guy. Uh, but he is a, he's been phenomenal with what he's done. And I can't blame him for not being put into a role that he was placed into. Um, Evan Fournier, not rising to the task whatsoever. The center position, underperforming. Uh, Tom Thibodeau's decision-making hasn't been great. But again, the players have not been performing well, so that certainly impacts it. Uh, Very weak. De- I'll, I'll play the fifth on that one. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, weak defense and just general team effort. So, John, we got to ask ourselves, what is in the front office's control? I mean, the front office can't make That's RJ hit his shots, right? <laughs> no. But RJ's been doing a better job of that, which is nice. Um, the front office isn't responsible for Randall coming back down I, to earth. We I, don't, say, I don't Yeah, I don't put that on them. But we could say, well, you know, they shouldn't have paid him. Again, as you said, like, you can move contracts. I'm really not worried about Randall as much as other people are. I may be more worried about it than moving Fournier, for example. But I'm not... Are you really? 
but but it's relative, right? Like if we're talking about a scale of one to 10, where 10 is I'm petrified and one is I don't care. With Fournier, I'm at a two. With Randall, I'm at like a three, three and a half. I, like I'm at the point where when you look at players in terms of how they get moved, I mean, there was a philosophy of, oh, you can't move Russell Westbrook. Well, Russell Westbrook was moved twice. Uh, you, and, and I mean, we're comparing Russell Westbrook with Julius Randall. I'm not trying to sound blasphemous here, but the bottom line is that the, while Russ is a former MVP, the quality that of, of a player you are getting for the contract that he's on, which is like basically double what Randall's earning. I would still rather have Julius Randall fitting into the role of what he is. Because again, I think, well, you could say Russ isn't being optimized in LA, but Randall's really not being optimized in New York. He's again, this it's on him too. But I, in terms of the front office and this season, you can't blame the front office for what they're doing. They tried to add creators and ball handlers and it didn't work out. But to, but the point is, it's not so much directly their fault with Randall. You say indirectly. No, I don't. But- I don't. I actually don't think it's their fault at all. And I, I think they had to sign him to the contract extension. I think there's less homes for him. I think they'd be able to move him in a heartbeat for something, something decent if they well, wanted to. And the other thing, and I don't want to get too far into this because Lord knows we'll have time to explore this later. Even if Randall didn't sign, some team was going to take a chance on him for the contract that he got. When you see a player oh, that yeah. is all NBA and you look at small market teams where free agents never would go there, where maybe you want to take a chance on like, it could be that he just wasn't utilized well. We're willing to take that risk. He was going to get that, which means that you could still flip him down the line, which is why I'm really not worried. But in terms of a floor general, I'm, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but it's a question. Who would the front office even get for how much? Fournier shooting in the effort I mean, especially on the defensive end, it's not in the front office. Uh, The center position, the ability to trade for one, that is something that's in the front office's control. Tibbs is not going anywhere, as we stated. And uh, you can impact the overall effort and level of defense by making a change. Yeah, I I agree with all of this. The only thing I'll not, not push back on, but I'll at least play devil's advocate, is this phenomenon that we're seeing with with Fournier, I think, of like, it really he does seem to have upset the apple cart a little bit in terms of like their overall style. Um, and could that have been anticipated? Should that have been anticipated? I didn't. Cause I saw a guy who was like a feisty guy who was like, maybe not the best offender, but like you can at least respect what he did on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hasn't, hasn't worked or blended at all, but I just wanted to throw that out there, but yeah, hundred percent. So I want to actually just take a quick look at the team's, in the NBA. And this is what the standings are after the Knicks game. Uh, there's some night games that will be impacted, but in terms of the East, it actually won't affect the Knicks at all. So John, let's start from the top left, which is okay. the East side, the East Eastern conference and the Western conference. And John, I want us to go through every single team. Oh boy. Taking turns talking about point guards. Okay. I can and do that because there is this, urged by a lot of Knicks fans, understandably so, of wanting to fill the weakest position, which is the point guard spot. So why don't I look we at start... it as center, but that's just me. Sure. But, but there's still time to talk about that too. But I want to go through this point because I think this is, I think in order to get to the center position for that discussion, we need to talk about the point guard spot because fans are going to focus in on that. And I can't blame them. 
but we're going to show why you got to move past the point guard spot because I just don't see it happening. So John, would you do the honors by starting sure. us off with the number one team in the East? I do just want to say very quickly that the point, the whole point guard conversation is inextricably linked to the Julius Randall conversation. And the fact that like, what is, how does, how do you find a point guard who's going to play off of him well and vice versa? And like, it makes it really complicated, which is why, Hey, February 3rd. Okay. Let's start with uh, Brooklyn Nets. Um, James Harden's what am I supposed to say? If he's a good, he's, he's a good point guard, right? We don't even talk about good or bad. We could just talk about whether that team that we discuss is going to trade their point guard. Oh, the Brooklyn Nets are not going to trade James Harden. Cool. The Milwaukee Bucks are not going to trade Drew Holiday. The Chicago Bulls are not going to trade Lonzo Ball. Miami Heat are not going to trade Kyle Lowry. The Cleveland Cavaliers are not going to trade potential future all-star, maybe this season, Darius Garland. Ah, well, we've gotten to Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Call me skeptical that the Knicks are going to trade for Ben Simmons for the reasons we've talked about. Uh, I understand that the defense is an issue and boy, does Ben Simmons help there. It is also the offensive side, the lack of pull-up ability that I think is going to be a huge problem for the Knicks and why they would not want him. I think also when you look at Philadelphia, they're not going to be super eager to trade Ben Simmons to their division rival. And also the Knicks don't have the star equity to trade to Philadelphia that would even inspire them, which means it has to be a three-team deal, which again, I just do not see happening between two division rivals. I understand that the Nets and the Celtics have made trades. I understand that the Celtics and the Sixers traded Jason Tatum and Markel Fultz, the picks that became that. I just do not see the reason why the Sixers and the Knicks are trading for a player who would help the defense on the perimeter, but would really muck things up in the offense, especially in the half court. There's a lot of reasons why the Knicks are not trading for Ben Simmons right now. Uh, They're not. Uh, so it's my turn. Washington Wizards, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, mm-hmm. uh, are there? They just signed him. They're not trading. Yep. Uh, Charlotte Hornets. Lamelo Ball is not going anywhere. Ditto for Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young. <laughs> I do not see the Celtics trading Marcus Smart to the Knicks, or at all, really. But Marcus Smart doesn't. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's uh, or or Dennis Shorter for that matter. Um, yeah, of all the things I'm I'm upset about this season, Dennis Schroeder is not one of them. Uh, Toronto Raptors, Fred Van Fleet. Nah, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. We got the Knicks, so we'll skip over them. Uh, the Pacers, I, I mean, TJ McConnell's out. Malcolm Brogdon cannot be traded, be traded this year anyway. So, um, and I, I'm not listing McConnell ahead of Brogdon. He just came to mind first. So, that Pacers are not a match. Um, the Orlando Magic, I would imagine, are probably not going to trade Cole Anthony. They might trade Marco Fultz. Do you want Marco Fultz? I don't want Marco Fultz. I don't. And I believe in Euron Weitzman's book, there was something about how Fultz didn't want to be in, in a big market. Re- right. So uh don't think it would really work out anyway. Yeah. And he hasn't played this season either. He's not healthy. Yeah. So, uh, and then lastly, the, the Detroit Pistons, I guess you could say Killian Hayes in this point, since Cade <laughs> basically running the offense. Um, Killian is not ready to run the show. He would not be someone that you would want starting. I don't think that's starting five. I don't think that's the answer. All right. Is it my turn? Phoenix Suns are, are not trading uh, Chris Paul. Interesting. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, they could, no, they're not going to trade Steph Curry. Uh, the Utah Jazz, are we, I mean, I guess we'll consider Mike Conley just signed an extension. Uh, they're, they're not trading him. 
Yep. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies are not going to trade John ja Morant. Um, the well, the Clippers could trade Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> they could. Would it really help the Knicks though? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we can rule them out too. Uh, probably also another player that's a kind of a point guard. Not really, but Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they're it. not going to trade him either. They just signed to extension. Yep. Uh, I don't think too many fans would want. Please Russell move on. Westbrook, so we can move on from that one. The, the Denver Nuggets have Jamal Murray on the men. They're not moving him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mavericks. I mean, they're not going to trade Jalen Brunson. who's coming off the bench. They have no other half court providers other than him and Luca. So I don't see why they would go out of their way to trade that player. I, I don't. Mm. They're not going to trade him. Listen, we, we can have a we can have a, con, a a conversation another day about Jalen Brunson. No, we, I, know we I don't be having yeah. a conversation. But now is not the time for that to be happening. They're not going to trade him. I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to put an asterisk there. Um, uh, Portland Trailblazers are. I mean, they say they're not going to trade Damian Lillard, so we should take their word for it. I think so, but even still, even if we didn't. Uh, again, we could have the conversation about Damon Lillard's fit with this team and the costs of what it would take to give up. Is that something you're comfortable with? Where this team is at right now and the way Lillard has played and the cost that it would take to get Lillard, that is not a conversation that I want to have right now. Well, that makes two of us, so we can move on. Okay. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, I guess D'Angelo Russell, right? In this case, even though I know he's been uh, playing off the bench quite a bit. Sure. Um, no. I. I will let him stay in Minnesota. I don't want D'Angelo Russell. Good. Uh, Sacramento, De'Aaron Fox. How you Uh, doing? De'Aaron Fox. John, would you like to? I mean, it's your turn, so please give your thoughts. Um, I mean, they've been a lot better without him on the floor this year. And that is not a result of the Kings being bad, by the way. The on-off numbers are individual numbers which shows that De'Aaron Fox has not been great in general, but he has also not been great on the Kings who are a bad basketball team, even though they're yeah. half a game out from being the 10th seed. I know. And he's really struggled and they've struggled with him on the floor and the three point percentage is not where you want it to be. Intriguing by low candidate. Uh, is, I don't, are, are, are we, are, is what, I mean, I love De'Aaron Fox. I would take a chance on him in a heartbeat. Depending on the cost. Sure. Well, uh, here's the thing. Uh, He's got four and a half years of his contract. Yes. And I understand that a lot of Knicks fans love the idea of De'Aaron Fox. But how many max players have we seen? I know. Being moved. I know. Especially on their second contract with more than even two years of their deal. I mean, two. Like We can even say three. It's what? Andrew Wiggins. And that's maybe it. Well, the guy you... The right. guy you brought up that's been fucking with me ever since you said his name, Blake Griffin got signed. But I'm saying second contract. That's a third contract. That's a third contract. The reason I said it was for that reason, because yeah. he's an unrestricted free agent who re-upped. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't happen. And there's a reason it doesn't happen because teams hang on because the Kings are going to believe in De'Aaron Fox, even with yeah. Tyrese Halbert, even with Davion Mitchell, they're going to hang on to him unless they can <laughs> trade him for a better player. And the Knicks do not have a better player that's worth trading for right now. In fact, you can make an argument. Do they have a better player than De'Aaron Fox? I think you could say Randall, but at the same time, again, why are the Kings necessarily doing that? 
but even still, it doesn't feel like a midseason acquisition to me. Does it feel like that to you? With four and a half years left? No, it doesn't. No, it, it it doesn't feel like a midseason acquisition to me. And I also don't think they would trade Julius Randle to Sacramento. And so what would that trade even look like? Um I don't know. He's a, he's a name that I would at least keep an eye on though, but I, I agree with you. It's probably not a midseason acquisition trade. Sure. Keep an eye on him, but yes, he's not going to do anything right now. And I'd be skeptical this summer as well, but we'll see. Um, next San Antonio Spurs, DeJounte Murray. I know you're a, a big DeJounte Murray fan. I wish, uh, but no, I they're just, not, they're not going to do it. And uh, I can't say I blame them. The Oklahoma City might trade SGA if they can get like the first pick in the draft because that's what they were allegedly willing to trade him for last year. But other than that, they're not trading that guy. Uh, and talking about years of control, the the uh, Thunder have five and a half years. Yeah, I mean, almost even six, really, because they signed to a five-year deal, full, guaranteed, no opt-out, max contract. Wait a minute. I see the next team listed here. Is this your John Wall cap or no cap secretly? <laughs> You got me. No, it is not. Uh, John Wall is not going to be the answer here either. Uh, even as a buyout candidate, it's not. Again, I just, the half court's not there. The transition used to be. It's not really there. We, we talked about it last week. After well, 44 the million is there. That's, that's there. Sure, but you're not going to trade for that. You're going to no. maybe do a, a buyout minimum contract. But again, we've seen him play 40 games, I think, over the last three years. That's... Yeah, it's not what you want. I understand the the buy low factor, but it's just uh, does. I just don't think he fits. The Knicks are not a, what they do. The Knicks are not a John Wall away from from anything. That is also true. And then and then last but not least, the Pelicans. Uh, who's their who are we considering their point guard? I guess uh, Devontae Graham. I guess Devontae Graham, who they just signed. And no, I don't think that's where the Knicks are at. Yeah. So, I mean, just to wrap this little mini thing up, and I've got more. We just went through twenty nine other teams. And we identified how many like legitimately good or uh, pieces that might fit with what the Knicks want to do. Because it feels like it's kind of zero considering the real world circumstances. I agree. The likelihood that they trade for any of the players that we just named is very, very, very low at this point in time. Okay. So keeping that in mind, we then have to continue moving on. But if you're going to trade for someone... You got to look at these players. So I have grouped these players into three different tiers. The first I'm calling untouchable rotation players at the deadline. And when I say untouchable, I just mean assuming the right star isn't available mid-season. I've got Julius Randle first. I, I know, I know, has underwhelmed, but I just do not see them moving him right now. If there were a star who could do it, I'd understand. I get what you're saying with the February 3rd deadline. I will believe he is moved this season until I see it. That's fine. Derek Rose, integral piece. And then, of course, RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin. Anything, any of these five players that you feel should not be here? I mean, I think Derek Rose is someone that I would be extraordinarily interested to see what kind of phone calls the Knicks get about him approaching the deadline. If again, we're talking about this team in the midst of six losses in seven games, and we don't really know where they're going to be in a month and a half. Um, but like, you know, Rose is a guy that I would imagine 
there are a lot of teams that would be very interested in getting him. Um, is there a team out there that would be willing to give up a first round pick? Is it worth it for the Knicks to get a first round pick for Derek Rose with one more year of service after he's been the best thing that the best player on their team this year? Um, I don't know if we're, but I think this graphic is fine. Cool. I, I think that's a conversation worth having, depending on yep, where the Knicks are at in the Knicks. We're, we're not there. We're not there yet. We're not. So next, I've got players who are outside the rotation. Um, Kemba Walker, where I feel like the, the best thing with the Knicks underperforming with Kemba Walker out is it somehow raises his value a bit where he wasn't doing well, <laughs> but it's like, look, we have so That's many other fair. problems That's that fair. Kemba's not the fire. You know, the, it's not like he is the reason why everything's gone to hell. No. Um, which helps him. So, um, nor, nor should anybody have, have thought that he was right. Exactly. You got Kevin Knox who, again, I'm sorry, John, I'm going to keep Kevin outside of what we're doing. I don't apologize uh, to me. <laughs> Taj who out of the rotation, but I do not see going anywhere. He, you could talk about his contract and matching, but don't right. see it happening. Quentin Grimes, who, again, I just, I wouldn't, I don't think you can move him. Not that he's untouchable. He's not. I would have put him in there if he were, but it's the sort of thing where I just don't see a right deal for him. But if there were one, then maybe a different conversation, but he's, he's still technically outside the rotation, even though he's in the rotation or he was today. Um, and then Wayne Selden and Deuce McBride, yep. they are guys who are not playing, but if they had to be included, you could maybe understand it. And finally, yeah, available rotation players. So Evan Fournier, it's going to be the same old song. It's the I'm same surprised thing where, you have Alec Burks here. Well, I'll explain why I do in a second. Um, sure. But with, with Fournier, it's going to be like, again, the, the funniest thing to me has been people in my mentions, and there have been several, who scream trade Evan Fournier or I'm sorry, they say Evan Fournier sucks. And then they say, Hey, can I trade it for this star? And it just, it's like, guys, come on. You you can't want to sell low on a player and and hate on him as much as you want. And then try to flip him and pull a fast one on another team. They see the same games that we're looking at. Like it's, it's not going to happen. So um, again, I think based on his contract, I just don't see him being moved this year. Um, the reason I have Alec Burks available listed here is I think that you could probably flip him for like more of a lateral move. It wouldn't be any of the players that we talked about per se, unless you upgraded that package. I don't want to trade Alec Burks. I think he is arguably the best option the Knicks have and what, with what Tibbs wants in the starting lineup. But I just, I don't see, he's clearly in the rotation and I don't see him as untouchable. I, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know where the deal would be to make sense where it would be well, to it make would, sense it would to trade to be, Alec Burks. It'd be, have to be for another ball handler. But then if we consider the fact that there's likely not a ball handler available, yeah, I, I he don't. then shades more into the first category. Yeah. I'm not saying if there were a big man, you trade Alec Burks. That's creating a whole other issue on its own. Just to be clear. Sure. Okay. Nolan's Noel. Again, we discussed it. And Mitchell Robinson, who is now finding himself in the second unit, trying to build up his stamina, <laughs> still does not have a contract, all that jazz. Probably still, will, he looks like the second unit is where he belongs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, okay, next. Here's the honest truth. The Knicks oh want to upgrade. At least one player in the rotation has to go. Um, there's a good chance that that type of player is starting caliber. They're probably earning between 12 and $20 million. And uh, for those who are watching, these are what the salaries look like in terms of the formulas. I don't have to go too far into it, but the point is there are several combinations that can work. But we got to keep that in mind because it's, well, who would be traded? But first, if you're trading for a max player, which again, don't think the Knicks are doing, but if they did, uh, any player who signed a max contract before the 2021, 2022 season is making at least $28.1 million. So that would mean that the Knicks would have to send at least $22.38 million out. Um, realistically speaking, if you're sending that package out, it, it's going to probably start with one of Fournier and Rose. We've talked about Fournier. We've talked about Rose. I just, you know, don't really see that happening mid season. But there are three things that I want everyone listening, watching to remember. The first, just because the math works, it doesn't make it a good trade. Or a feasible trade. Yes. Second, just because a star may be available, it doesn't mean he's the right fit. And third, and possibly more importantly, or most important, just because the trade machine says is most a five important. for one trade works, it doesn't mean it's realistic. If you're trading a bunch of players in the offseason, then it works, but it does not midseason because the rosters shrink from 20 in the offseason to 15 in the regular season. So yeah. there are a lot of moving pieces that go around. There's a reason why the bigger trades that occur are often in the offseason and not midseason. It's tough to juggle things. Any thoughts before we continue, John? No, I just I want to really emphasize like the five for one, the four, even the four for one, like that stuff doesn't happen during the regular season. It just right. doesn't. Right. Um, 
And here's the bottom line. If the Knicks aren't trading one of the untouchable guys that I laid out, Randall, Rose, Barrett, quickly, Toppin, uh, and if Fournier is staying, which I still think he would, an upgrade most likely means one of Walker and Burks has to be moved. Considering how Walker's out of the rotation, he's the easy candidate. Um, Popper, Steve Popper tweeted this, and I've been of the same mindset. You know, when the Knicks said Kemba's out of the rotation, they meant it. When fans were saying, oh, maybe Kemba will play today. No, I didn't think, I didn't think I for never a thought he was, was going to play today. Right. They're wrapping him in bubble wrap for a reason. They want to work something out. And that is a significant amount of money that you can send out in a trade. And again, I don't think it's going to work unless they can make an upgrade that, you know, suits what they're looking for. And with Kemba, you can kind of send his money out for anything. For Burks, I feel it has to be for a point guard and I just don't see the market opening. Um, and if the goal is to upgrade the rotation, again, someone's got to go. And if it's not going to be Burks, then it's going to be one of Mitchell Robinson and Nerland's Noel. Yes. Here's a numbers game. Walker's making $8.7 million. You add his and Noel's 8.8, 17.5. If you added Knox, it's 23.3. If you're doing Walker and Mitch, it's 10.5 million. And if you're doing Walker, Mitch, and Knox, it's 16.3. And the one that stands out here is the Walker plus Mitchell Robinson number of being only 10.5 because that is significantly lower than anything else. And it does limit you, uh, not maybe not significantly depending on where you're looking, but I have a feeling we're going to get there in a sec. Right. And it, of course, these are just numbers. These are not trades, including picks or anything else. Um, so it says on the slide, but for those not viewing, just want you to be aware of that. I'm not saying that the Knicks can get away with Walker Robinson Knox and call it a day. Uh, yeah. It's not, that's not the case. Yeah. So should we talk about Mitch? Is that I mean, talking? I feel like we've been talking about him having this, a similar conversation for the last four years. Um, we have incredibly intriguing player. You know, and but at this point, when when does it just become he is what he is? Um, and when is, when does the when do we stop waiting? Like, oh, when he figures it out or oh, when he gets fully healthy or oh, when this and that and the other thing. It's I, I don't know. Right. So, again, if Walker and Noel were traded for some sort of big man, I mean, it forces Robinson to a backup role, which he's already inhabiting. But what does that say about his role long term? He's an unrestricted free agent. It, to me, it just says if he found a gig where he could, you know, be signed to the mid-level and start for a team, if a team wants to take a, a chance on that, like, I don't know, the Hornets, for example, they could do that. And then you're losing Mitch for nothing. Like it, it says to me that you have to commit to Mitch. You got to shit or get off the pot. And the Knicks have actively chosen not to shit. Evan Fournier has decided to shit. Mitchell Robinson is not. The Knicks have not with Mitchell Robinson because they could have extended him this offseason. They could have made him a restricted free agent. Yeah. They didn't. They could Never have thought continued about having no. him being a starting player. They moved him to the bench. They are telegraphing exactly what they're going to do and what their thoughts are. But we'll see if they actually yeah. do it because that's going to send, you know, send signals to me at least. Um, I, I, I will say I, I would not eliminate the possibility of Mitchell Robinson sticking around as a backup after the season. Although I agree it is unlikely. Okay. That, that's fair. And we'll see. But um, the three players front office has not acquired or extended RJ Barrett. They didn't acquire him. Could not extend him if they wanted to. That would be this following off season. Kevin Knox didn't acquire him. Didn't extend him. Mitch didn't acquire him. Have not extended him again. You can extend Mitchell Robinson in season. His max is like, I think four years, 50, Four, fifty-two, fifty-three million, something yep. in that ballpark. 
Uh, the exact number I can't exactly remember anymore. And it's whatever it is. If, if they want to go less, it's eleven or twelve million dollars a year, starting at twelve million dollars a year. Exactly. Oh, look at Miles. Yep, we got Miles Turner. So hi, Miles. The uh, the Pacers were in the news recently about the idea of blowing it up, so to speak. It's more of a retool than a full rebuild, is how they're billing it. Um, basically, it was Karis Levert and one of Sabonis and Turner. Uh, Sabonis has. Well, it's two and a half, I guess, what the deadline would be, two and a half years remaining. And Miles Turner has one and a half. Um, do you have any prevailing thoughts on Miles before I continue to the next slide, John? Yeah, I mean, I, and I've shared it in newsletters and on pods this week. Um, I think Miles, Turner's, Miles Turner is a really good player. Um, he's not a perfect player. He's not going to fix all the next issues. He's not going to come here and be have the effect that Derrick Rose had. Um, that said, he's a really good player for the contract. Um, $17 million a year. It's a nice number for him. Um, he very impactful defensively. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, for anybody who hasn't read the athletic story that he basically came out and said, they're using me here in a way that I don't want to be used. And I'm kind of tired of it. Um, I, the only part about that that would worry me if I was a team that was looking to acquire Miles Turner is, you're acquiring him with the expectation that um, you are going to want to make him happy um, and potentially give in to some of his demands about having more of a featured role in the offense. And Hey, listen, Miles Turner is, what is he? 25. Um, yeah. Still young. Who's to say that there isn't a little bit more, you know, bloom on the rose uh, potentially. I, I, I like him. I don't, you know, not as in love with him as maybe some other people do, but I do think, it is almost too obvious in terms of a trade acquisition out there in the landscape. Um, he makes so much more sense than anybody out there who could even be potentially available. It's not even funny. I feel the same way. You know, it's miles Turner is an answer. He is not the answer. He is the type of player where you can consolidate what yeah. we've been talking about and where you can then create something, turn you know quantity into quality and help with the defense. And for all the reasons you just discussed, there is no the answer out there uh, this year. So Correct. So again, he's a great defender and shot blocker. I mean, we're talking about someone who has been in the 92nd percentile or higher around the rim in five of his seven seasons. One of those five being this year. Um, historically, he's been excellent in transition defense, which is a huge problem for the Knicks. Like that. This year, he has not been as good. But again, he's shown significant uh, upside there. He used to be more of a fake floor spacer. That's not who he is anymore. He is a legitimately good shooter. Um, he, you know, it, like that, that's something that is certainly important to the Knicks in terms of spacing. Uh, he's been great around the rim this year offensively. And which we know is important to Tom Thibodeau. He hits corner threes, John, he has hit yes. corner threes. I mean, there's a reason why New Orleans Noel has said he's been practicing them. I don't necessarily want to see him using them, but it's the point where like you can see when he's taken those shots, envisioning someone like Turner, who you feel much more confident in attempting yes. those. That is what would be ideal and add an extra dimension to this offense. Yes, hundred percent. Super important. Uh, he can do something with the ball. You know, what I mean, with the currently what the Knicks have in centers uh, in Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, they're play finishers. Um, you know, I mean, Miles does that too, but it's the sort of thing where 
he can put the ball on the floor. He can take a couple dribbles and you feel like he's not a complete liability with the ball. I think that's something that's really important. Um, the Pacers are in the 77th percentile with Turner on the floor. It's a plus 5.2 difference when he's off the floor. Um, they're an average team, 49th percentile, uh, negative 0.3 difference. Uh, he's actually ranked 11th this year in defensive Raptor, which is 538 stat. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's no all encompassing stats, but this is one take it. If you'd like it, I think it's a quality stat and overall in the NBA, uh, for overall Raptor, he is 26, 22nd, tied for 22nd. Um, downsides, he's a terrible offensive rebounder. Not a good rebounder, period. Yeah, I was about to say, not a great rebounder class. in general. Yeah. Um, but that's a problem when you look at someone like Mitchell Robinson gobbling up offensive boards. Having Turner, it's a little bit more problematic. I fully acknowledge that, and that is going to be something to consider especially when you think about how Julius is not a great rebounder, how Obi is not a great rebounder well, and how, how um, RJ Barrett is actually a good one. And I'm curious how his role would change in terms of the dynamic. Uh, and then lastly, Turner doesn't play with a ton of speed. So even though with the whole transition thing, uh, he's not going to be an Obi Toppin like player, but he does enough where he can impact the game. Yeah. I mean, I just was, I think Julius Randall is, is actually maybe a little bit better rebounder than he gets credit for, but I, he's not great. Um, but you could see it working with Turner, certainly on defense. I think you could see it working with him on offense as well. Just opening up the floor a little bit. Um, it would basically, it would further embolden point Julius. If that's the direction they're going to continue to go, which again, they have to go for at least until February 3rd. Uh, it makes sense for a lot of reasons, but here's another thing that I think people are often forgetting. It's not just about building around Julius, right? Because if you get Miles Turner, you get a player who complements Julius very well. And we, we know that they're both from Dallas and they train together in the offseason. They're close. But if you get Miles Turner, you also can play him with Obi Toppin. Yes, and you that can. That is a huge thing. I mean, think about the Raptors game. Why did Obi get taken out? It's because he was not hitting threes. Yeah, he made one big one, but then he missed a couple. Uh, He went one for four. That is a huge element of his game that he has to work on and he will work on. But for the time being, right, if Tibbs isn't going to go four or five with Obi and Julius unless he has to, if you had Julius out and you played Obi and Turner together, I think that could just have extreme dividends, right? And even if it's going well, which I would imagine it could, except for, of course, the rebounding side, I think that could be atrocious. If there is a world where Julius is not the untouchable player in the context of what I'm giving, where he is dealt in the scenario you're saying, um, or even moving forward, you're still able to have that type of pair. And that's a really nice pair to have. And also, um, and I don't know if you're going to, maybe I shouldn't get into this, but like, we don't have to go through all all 29 teams, but like um, you go through the league, teams that need a center teams that could potentially be interested in miles Turner. Like, again, all it takes is one. Um, I don't know that there is another team that would could possibly feel as strongly about what miles Turner could do for them as the Knicks feel about what he can do for them. Um, in, in, in contrast to what they're getting right now with the possible exception of the Charlotte Hornets who the Knicks own their first round pick. Um, moving forward and are going to have some issues, um, including that pick or including a future first round pick in a deal. 
And, uh, you know, it's it, maybe it comes down to young players, but let's keep going. Well, we're going to get to that because, of course, but your reasons not to acquire Turner. All right. Uh, common thoughts like the Knicks need a point guard. We just dissected the entire market. That was pretty much why I wanted to do it. We got through it. I, I like the we, second one. This team sucks. This team sucks. Right. Yeah. You know, why even try? Well, again, the Knicks are going to try because of the fact that they are this close to the play in tournament. People might say, oh, play in tournament. Big whoop. We were the fourth seed last year. Again, this is a process. It's not going to be <laughs> linear. It's a buy. It's, it's, it's an opportunity to build now without giving up significant assets, which we will also get into, but, but being able to build for later. And someone like Miles Turner, who's 25 years old, as you mentioned, is why you still add to this team and try to get them back because the cluster between what, like fourth and 10th well, is really not that long. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, yes, they're a streak away. They're also, I mean, they're 12 and 15. They're not um, seven and 20. You know, there's a, there's a difference there. And I think, regardless of what you think the long-term look with the team should be this season and where they should go. Like they owe it, I think to the team and what they tried to do this year to make a move. If it's a responsible move to make. Exactly. Uh, the idea that miles Turner is not a star. Yeah. Again, look at the trade market that's out there. The biggest star that has been moved so far since Leon Rose took over has been James Harden. Um, there really haven't been that many other players who have moved since then because of the ramifications of 2019. Yep. If you want a star, it's going to happen in a couple of years. And the yep. reason you're going to get that star is because he's going to look at the Knicks and be like, wow, that's a team that's on the rise. That's a team that is set at multiple positions. I feel confident about that. I know being traded, it's going to cost a lot, but even with that cost, the Knicks still have things left over. Miles Turner is one of those things that's left over and why he at least benefits your team and can be more of that defensive backbone that should help the Knicks get to more of the Tibbs style defense. Um, low ceiling for this team. Again, in the vein of the, the, this team sucks. Cool. The Knicks have their first round pick. They have two first round picks potentially, but I'm not too worried about that, but that's fine. Whatever. Again, that, that has to do with the cost. So let, we'll, we're going to get to the cost. And same thing with too expensive. Um, yeah. I think it's a shame that it's been floated out there. Like, Oh, well, if, it, if it costs like multiple firsts and Obi top and another, Again, I, I don't think it will cost anywhere near that. I will explain why, but I think that it's kind of a scare mindset where it's like Derek Rose. We thought he was going to go for a first round pick at some point before he was traded. Um, and he didn't. He didn't go for that at all. So the market can be very finicky. Uh, keep Mitch. The Pacers won't want him anyway. Again, if you want to keep Mitch, cool. I'm, I'm done. I Sorry. Wow. Uh, look, I mean, I've I haven't been shy about the fact that the Knicks have been skeptical, and I there's a reason why they I have feel been, like skeptical. been skeptical. We we know right. they've been skeptical. I just well, let's let's keep going. If he can stay, then I'd love it. But I just and even with the Pacers, you know, the idea of like, well, why are you including him in a deal? Listen, guys, when you make a trade, you don't also just have to send players to one team. There are multiple teams that might be interested in a player. Uh, one man's trash might be another man's treasure. Uh, Turner gets hurt again. He's Pretty, he's been pretty consistent. He's gotten hurt last year. And then I think the second year of his career, other than that, he's been generally pretty durable. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, the idea, um, the fear of like, okay, well you trade for Turner, then you got to pay him. Well, no shit. Any player you trade for, you're probably going to want to pay them. I mean, but again, you, any player that you're trading for and like Mitchell Robinson, if you want him, you're trading for him because you want to extend him too. it's a two way street. 
We good? Or any thoughts? I no, I I think I've I've put a couple of things in here that I wanted to say. I, I think the reasons for trading for Turner again, barring the cost, outweigh the reasons not to him to not to trade for him in theory. Agreed. Let's talk about the potential threats. I know I'm keeping you on the edge of your seat with this whole cost thing, but I, I think it's important to talk no, about it's, threats. No, it's important to go through this. So first we got the Golden State Warriors. Um, they could do it, sure. But here's the thing. Are they really going to commit to a player like Miles Turner when Sabonis might be a better fit for them? Um, a big man who passes, who lets Draymond still play the four and the five on defense. I think that's really important. If you got Turner... It affects the versatility of Draymond and impacts his game in a negative way. Would you agree with that statement? I don't think the Warriors are a real threat to trade for him. Is I'll, right. I'll make that. I think the Warriors are a threat to maybe give up some real stuff for Sabonis, not not Turner. Agreed. And granted, then the Warriors would have to trade one of Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody just to get Turner for the salaries to match. That yep. doesn't feel like a player you trade for. Maybe Sabonis, if they're in their mindset, I think he'd be a great fit there. Yeah. Uh, the Grizzlies, I think they're actually a surprise con, uh, contender for why they could be in on Turner. They also have a surplus of first. They could have three first-round picks this year. Um, they could figure out a way to make the math work where they get Miles Turner. Um, I wouldn't count them out. I don't think they're at the top of the list, but the way that they're moving and where their core is at, they actually feel like a pretty good team for him to land on. Yeah, but they especially what they've shown lately with Ja out and how well that team plays together and the cohesion that doesn't feel like an apple cart that they want to upset right now. And I don't even know that the salary obviously outgoing would be Steven Adams. Steven Adams is an underrated as hell player. Yep. Um, uh, not to say that he's like the, any kind of long-term answer there at the five, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I would be like Steven Adams and like, a first? Does that get you Miles Turner an unprotected first or something? Do they give an unprotected first? Like I don't know. The Grizzlies don't really operate like that. I don't they think. Don't. Yeah. yeah. And so. I'm I'm with you. And you know, Jackson has been a better rebounder, I believe, this year. But having Turner and Jackson together would also yeah. But hey, if it if it's something that the Knicks would be willing to do, maybe the Grizzlies are in terms of being able to sacrifice rebounding. I just it doesn't feel like the right move, but I could see them doing something creative like that. Sure. Uh, the Celtics, uh, I don't see them trading for another big man. Robert Williams signed his extension, which kind of makes the math funky. I don't think they'd trade Horford for him. Horford's been pretty productive for them this year. Uh, fun fact about this, they wouldn't do it because they'd probably over the tax. But if you look at the Fournier sign-in trade, uh -huh. the Celtics got a huge traded player exception. <laughs> it is just small enough where it cannot absorb Miles Turner. And I do wonder, oh, that's John. That's funny. I wonder if the Knicks, when signing Fournier, we know that we heard from Jay Michael, of, uh, formerly of the Indy Star. We heard from Begley um, of SMY saying that the Knicks checked in on Turner before the draft. I believe it from both of them. I believe the it. The idea that the Knicks knew that they wanted to go after him again. They knew that the Celtics could be a potential threat and managed to sign Fournier for a number that was small enough where they could not absorb Turner's contract fully into it. That's my conspiracy theory and I'm sticking to it. It's a pretty good conspiracy theory. I also don't see with them having just signed Robert Williams. I don't see them as a realistic team to give up some good. Agreed. Um, Charlotte Hornets. Again, I don't think they're pushing their chips all the way in. As you said, the Knicks have first round pick uh, situation, but you never know. I just don't see Michael Jordan operating like that from a salary standpoint because of having to pay miles bridges 
Um, we'll see what they do about PJ Washington. He's played a lot of the five, but it just seems like as good as Turner is that it kind of feels like you're capping your ceiling because you can't move picks for players down the line. Uh, I understand why the fit is there. I just, I, I think it's too much for them to give up. Yeah. I mean, Washington is the obvious young player to go out on that trade. I mean, obviously they're not going to trade miles uh, bridges. I don't, think like Gordon Hayward makes a little bit too much money for one. I also don't think they're going to trade Gordon Hayward. Um, and like people have run it like book night is like, like, you know, book night plus salary. Like, I don't know if you're Charlotte, like why are you giving up that kid? Um, is that you're giving up him for, for miles Turner? I mean, maybe, um, you know, but like, does, does the, does TJ Washington move my needle if I'm Indiana, which again, this has to do with what the Knicks are going to give up. So perhaps we should move on. Right. Mystery team. Could be anyone. Who knows? Uh, and I actually listed the Pacers 87-year-old owner, Herb Simon, as a potential threat because of the fact that the Knicks and the Pacers have gone back and forth so many times over the years, especially mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Like, again, is he, is he resentful? Is, he, is there some part of him that's like Pat Riley where you will not trade with the Knicks? Uh, for context, the Knicks and the Pacers have traded once since, I think, 1985. And at one time, John, do you have any idea when it was? Goodness gracious. It was, did it involve? No, it didn't involve. Um, no, did it? Did, did they, the second time they got Mark Jackson, it wasn't from Indiana, right? No, no, it was not. It was actually when the Knicks traded for the pick that became King Louie. Oh my 57th God. 57th pick in the NBA draft. That's, That's the only time that the, the two teams have traded since the mid eighties. So, okay. But Different front office for both, obviously, but Herb Simon has still been there the whole time. You just never know. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. So let's talk about past precedents because this is going to factor in for the cost. There, there are some centers that have been in the trade facets, I guess you could call it, the last few years that we should talk about. The first is Clint Capella. Clint Capella and Nene, who was like on a $3 million salary, something like that, were traded for Evan Turner's expiring salary, a 2021st that eventually was shipped to OKC and became Poku, Alexei Pokusevsky, mm-hmm. and the 2024 Warriors second. Capella had three and a half years left on his deal. And he was when he was traded, he was a very good player. It's not like the Hawks were buying low. That's what the market was. For three and a half years of Capella, it was an expiring contract, a mid-first round pick, and a second round pick, who, or which could probably be towards the end of a draft. Yes. Then you got Nikola Vucevic. 
The Magic traded Vooch and Aminu to the Bulls and in return received auto. Uh, mind you, Aminu's contract was uh, a year and a half remaining. And then he later got moved for DeMar DeRozan and had to have a first round pick attached in addition to the yeah. transition because of his contract. Not, uh, not great money. No. Otto Porter Jr., expiring deal. Wendell Carter Jr., who obviously, you know, lottery pick who had not been panning out, played a lot of the five. It's not his position. He's more of a four as we've seen this year. The three ball wasn't there like it is this year. He's been hurt a lot and healthy this year. A protected first that became uh, Franz Wagner, Wagner at uh, eighth overall and then a protected hey. 2023 first as well. Again, I, we, we've talked about this. The, the Bulls didn't think they were giving up that much for Vooch because the, the COVID hadn't affected them yet in the way it did. They thought they were giving up probably the 14th, 15th pick in the draft. Right. And Vooch was two and a half years. And then finally, this one's a little bit more complicated, but this is Jonas yes, is. Uh, Valanciunas. And uh, basically, to summarize it, the Pelicans got Valanciunas, moved down in the draft about eight spots, I want to say. Uh, taking Trey Murphy, the 11 third. spots, right? 11. Yeah. Uh, well, no, they went from 10th to, to, to eight, 18th. 18th. Yeah. Eight I spots. thought they went down to 21st. Oh wait, no, never mind. The Knicks no, had 21st. Knicks, yeah. yeah um, you're right. They got a protected second rounder from the Kings via the Clippers. Uh, they traded Steven Adams. They traded Bledsoe. They traded um, the 2021 second. That was Jared Butler and a protected Lakers first round pick in this year's draft. And there was one year of Valanciunas to go. So that's three centers, all of whom are, are good to excellent. And I, I would say the most excellent being Vucevic as he was a two-time all-star and it was a, it was a young player yeah. and two protected first round picks and a young player yeah. who was more than halfway through his rookie contract. I'll just say Capella reached a new level after that trade and I think there was some thought at the time, like, man, he's a good player, but like the, the contract is fair at best for a rim running center that hadn't really ever made the leap from rim running center. And then I think last year, Clint Capella got himself in the defensive player of the year conversation and obviously anchored um, a team that went to the conference finals. And he's looked at as a, in a slightly different way now than when the trade happened. And then obviously, as you referenced with the Valanciunas thing, like there was a lot more to that trade than that, the, the, the money and, and obviously offloading, and also, let's just be frank, a, a somewhat desperate uh, general manager. Um, in any case, I agree with you. The center market is not what it's it can be cracked up to be by some. It is it is still a very it is a uh, a bear market. Right. And so, again, if you're if we're talking about Vooch, even if that's a player that Turner is closer to, it's a year less of team control. And we're talking about a very good two two very good picks one that was especially good that were first rounders and a player that in Carter Jr that was like okay he could be something but uh it's worth the upside but he's just disappointed and so you know again that's th this is the last slide but here's the bottom line i didn't write this out but this is what i want to say the SNY trade i that was um turner for what was it kemba knox mitch a first round pick, uh, the Hornets one and yeah. a second round pick. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that, but I don't think based on the teams that we've analyzed, the trades that we've seen, um, any of that, the, the, um, focus on a center, I don't think it's going to be this ridiculous haul that some may fear it. And again, if it is more, it's like, 
uh, as Jack said, and I'm of the same philosophy, um, Yokobitis, uh, uh, if you put in Rokas there, I think that also is something different because that's a player where the rookie scale contract doesn't exist because he was a second round pick, but you don't have to worry about that timing out. It's you got a lot of team control there. So I just, I can't help but feel like it's not going to be this massive deal. It's going to be pretty good. And if it's anything more than the SNY package plus Rokas, then depending on what, what it would be in real life, I think it would be an overpay. So looking at the Indiana Pacers death chart right now, which is probably a futile exercise because um, even if they trade miles Turner, that's probably not the only move that they do. Um, last drink of the episode when low and, uh, and Bobby Marks were talking about this on their latest show, they made a pretty good point, which is that the Pacers are in a unique situation, not only because TJ Warren is coming back, but because of their complexion of their team, that less might less might not necessarily be more, but I think some of their fans may look at some of the situations there, especially with Karis LeVert, who's been, I think, a bit maddening to those fans this year. As like, well, if we lost Karis LeVert all of a sudden, I'm not saying we'd be better, but I could see a world where that makes sense. There's a long-winded way of saying, I think Karis LeVert is a guy who is likely to be on the move too. I think someone will probably want him. I think some some good team he makes, you know, it's, the salary is a little bit much, but he can give you points and, and uh, playmaking off the bench, which is where his role should be. Um, so when we look at their depth chart right now, in terms of guys who are real pieces moving forward. Um, so let's put Brogdon aside because he, again, he just signed the extension. They can't trade him. Um, Justin Holiday's solid player, Tory Craig, solid player. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting. Oh, O'Shea Brissett, impressive little player. He's getting some time. Those are not like long-term answers type of type of guys. And they also, None of those, I don't think, profile is like your your classic three and D. Tory Craig probably comes the closest. Duarte, they got a nice piece of Duarte. Obviously, they just drafted. Um, uh, oh my God, I'm forgetting the kid from uh, S. A. Jackson, uh, the kid from Kentucky. You know, and then they have Domas. Which, what do they do with Domas? I, I we don't know. I mean, do they really want to shake things up? Uncertain. Do they want to trade Domas and keep Monster? There's different options here, but. I th- I could see them looking at a guy like Quentin Grimes and being like, well, you know what? He could do some things really well. And perhaps most importantly, and you reference Mr. Simon, who would sooner cut off his own nipples than go into the tax. Uh, Quentin Grimes is uh, on a very, very cost controlled deal. He's in the first year of a rookie contract. So he's had three more years. And he is a guy who I think has already shown himself to be, at the very least, a serviceable three and D player. Um, from like right now, um, and a guy who can make shots and a guy who can play defense. Now, every Nick fan listening to this, especially those who watched the performance on Sunday, is like, "Yes." So why the fuck do you want to give him away for Miles Turner? I, for me, if I'm Indiana and I'm looking at this situation, and maybe this is where I disagree with you a little bit. All due respect to Rokas over there in, in in Europe, who appears to be nice point guard. Maybe he'll be a nice backup point guard in the league someday. If I'm Indiana and I'm trading Miles Turner, I think I'm trading him because I know my team is going to get better either this year or in the foreseeable future. 
And if it's just about the picks that New York is willing to give up and like, if I'm New York, I'd be like, okay, you want the Charlotte pick and the Dallas pick have at it, take both. And then we'll give you Kevin Knox and, and uh, Kemba Walker. And we'll, you know, we'll call it a day. Um, or Mitchell, you know, Mitchell Robinson, if they, but again, that creates a three for one makes it a little tougher. I was going to say, basically any deal between the Knicks and the Pacers is probably going to include a third team. And that third team likely is uh, OKC because of the fact that they are so far below they could take the salary on. floor that they can just absorb money into their uh, TPEs. Yes, exactly. Which, um, yeah, we don't have to get too further, too much into that, uh, that rabbit hole. But so I, if I am, I mean, if I'm Indiana, I'm, I mean, do I hold, do I hold the line at OB? Well, if they hold the line at OB, then they're probably not going to trade Miles Turner for the Knicks. And maybe there's another deal that they like more, but I don't think there's any chance in hell that the Knicks trade OB Toppin. I think Grimes is where this trade ultimately comes down to. Um, I have no idea what the front office secretly thinks of Grimes. Tibbs sure seems to like him. He played him 40 fucking minutes today, uh, Sunday. <laughs> you know, that's perhaps an indication of what Tibbs really thinks about him and how much he, he likes him and, and what he thinks he could do moving forward. And like, you know, the Knicks, it has to be said, they've gotten less from their first round picks than any team in the league since Patrick Ewing. Um, Quentin Grimes is a guy who's a nice little player. And am I willing to forego the opportunity to see just how serviceable of a player he can be over the next two, three, four perhaps beyond years for the opportunity to get miles Turner. I don't know that I'm willing to sit here and answer that question right now. Um, but it would give me some serious heartburn if I traded that dude in this deal. Um, if you could get, if you, if you could, if it's Rokas and, and the, and the Dallas pick and the Hornets pick and, you know, salary filler, then fucking I'll go pick up miles Turner from the airport. So I don't disagree with you in terms of what you're saying with Grimes. I think that's completely valid. And if we go back to the idea of what the depth chart is again, I don't necessarily see them trading Fournier. I mean, they could trade him in the off season, but I just don't think it's necessarily going to happen. So you're talking about Fournier and Barrett. And then you're also talking about quickly and Burks. And where does that leave Deuce? Excuse me. Where does that leave um, Grimes? It leaves him as someone who might be out of the rotation. Now, is that a reason why not to do anything with Fournier? No, but I'm just saying, realistically speaking, there's a higher likelihood in my mind, at least, and maybe it's wrong, so be it, that Grimes could be moved for another piece that helps them elsewhere because he's at the end of the bench, um, generally speaking, for someone like Turner, then for them to kind of push him up and then push someone out. But uh, again, I'd, I'd like for him to be the there. I've, uh, I've gone back and forth with the idea of adding Grimes because Grimes would essentially be that Wendell Carter Jr. type player where it's like, all right, Miles Turner for... Grimes and Mitch and the Hornets first, like that would hurt. But I, I would also understand the philosophy going behind that. The money wouldn't work there. You'd still have to add. Kemba yeah, I know. And, but, but I, I hear you. I, I struggled with the idea. I think selfishly, I have fallen victim to the idea of not wanting to give up more than I would like to as a fan. But when looking at the other deals, I just, it doesn't feel like it's nearly as much as, as one may think the other, the only other issue here and, and Grimes is not the level of flair. I, I understand Carter jr. Had injury issues and um, 
it was further into his rookie contract. I get all of that. Grimes is not that level of talent. Carter Carter Jr., there were people, you know, who thought he was the best, one of the best two or three players in that draft. Um, I, I just, again, I'm looking at it from Indiana's perspective. Like, why are you doing it? And if it's one thing that I think Indiana has shown us already, perhaps, or maybe not, I don't know. I'm just assuming. I don't think they're the desperate team in the situation. I think the Knicks are the desperate team in the situation. I think, I don't know that they're projecting desperation, but I, if they're kicking the tires on Miles Turner, you could, you could do, you know, I mean, and, and again, everybody watches the same games. So they see what the Knicks centers are not giving them. Um, you know, so so if the Pacers are like, no, and if you don't give us what we want, we're just going to take this thing to the trade deadline. I think this deal becomes potentially a lot less worth doing for the Knicks in the beginning of February than it does a week from now right. or whereabouts. So to put a pretty little bow on this, as I know, we've certainly taken enough time. We're basically saying it's some sort of three team trade where the Knicks are sending out Kemba Walker, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. Quentin Grimes and the Hornets first. Is that kind of, is that something that we're, we're trying to find common ground on as opposed to adding Rokas in a second round pick? I would much rather add Rokas in a second round. Well, of pick. Course, I mean, I would rather trade for miles Turner and not give anything up of value, but <laughs> realistically speaking, is that kind of where we're saying is something that it hurts a little, but it also is somewhat rewarding in what you're getting back. I don't know. But I just don't I, think it's going to be, you know, multiple firsts and I, I wish I felt three young guys. I wish I felt confident and comfortable that the Pacers want Mitchell Robinson. I just think Mitch's stock is super low right now. It is. You're selling low on a few of these guys, but yeah, it's, it's but that's the thing. That's why I'm saying it would be a multi-team deal where you're probably sending Mitch for a veteran or a minimum yes. contract or into a, a TPE. I, I just. Sort. I don't, I just don't see him landing in Indy as well, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I well, Yeah. Look, I think if you put a gun to my head right now and you ask me, is the trade going to happen or is the trade not going to happen? I think the trade is going to happen. And I think it'll probably mean again, it's December 12th. Um, could we be talking about this trade this time next week? I wouldn't rule it out. Um, but you know, we'll see. Agreed. All right. That was fun. Andrew miss anything? Predictions. Oh yeah. Predictions. Oh, uh, well I won again. Three and one, uh, or sorry, excuse me, one and three. I've I'm three and zero oh over the last three weeks after Jeremy started out four and zero. Oh. So it is up to me to try to tie things up this week. And again, I pick first. Um, so the Knicks games that they play this week, they only played three games. Um, Warriors Tuesday, home. Uh, the game that Steph Curry is going to break the all time uh, threes record. That'll be fun. Uh, Knicks at Rockets on Thursday. Rockets uh, had won seven in a row, and then they lost to someone, um, the Milwaukee, uh, on, I believe it was Saturday night. Uh, I could be wrong about that. And then uh, the Knicks finish it off by playing the Celtics in Boston. Um, so sorry, they're at Houston and at Boston. <laughs> I'll take the low-hanging fruit. Again, I'll go one and two. Of course. I figured you would. It's the smart call. Um, man, 0-3 oh could truly be realistic. It really is. how they're playing. Oh. If I were you right now, I would say 0-3. Oh 
but I'm not you. Right. Um, man, this team just feels broken in a lot of ways, but 0-3 is... I mean, look, uh, regardless of what happened, first of all, crazier shit happens than them coming and beating the Warriors. Like, that, that, that could happen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just say 2-1. and one. Okay. I think that's... A, that it, There's a margin of error that happens. Was this close to beating you this week, for what it's uh, worth? It was a, thre- again, a Randall three in and out, but I lost. So be Again, it. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. I think I've made it very clear where I stand on where this team is at right now. Um, and it's it's not a great place. Okay. Everybody, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Andrew. Um, and thank you, everybody out there for listening to another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Um, we will be back with you with more fun and games. Uh, me and Jeremy will next week. Um, in the meantime, we got a great episode for you coming up uh, for on uh, Tuesday tomorrow um in which we preview the warriors game when surely nothing bad will happen and uh on and on we go and uh in the meantime have a great week and we'll talk to you soon